Welcome to Human Factors Cast, your weekly podcast for human factors, psychology, and design. Hey, everybody, welcome to a bonus episode of Human Factors Cast. I'm your host, Nick Rome, and I'm joined today by Team Mothership. They are the uh, digital health student design competition winners. Uh, on the line today, we have Sophia Nojevic, uh, Thivia Omachandran, and Anna Linden. So, uh, hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. Hi, Nick. Nice to meet you. <laughs> nice to Hi, have Nick. you all on the show. Um, so, we're going to get into some questions here, and I figure we can just kind of go around the table here. Uh, Sophia, you are the team lead for Team Mothership. Um, I have a couple questions for you. So what I'll do is kind of ask these questions and we can just kind of go around here. Uh, so would you just let everybody kind of know what your background is, how you, how you found human factors, uh, what your current position or role is, and what brought you to the healthcare symposium this year? Yeah, so I am an undergraduate industrial engineering student at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. I work in the Cognitive Systems Lab under Professor John Lee, and I work in the Warner Lab under Professor Nicole Werner. Um, I was brought to the symposium this year for the design competition and also just a general interest in the health and well-being of others and the use of technology to bring well-being to others. Great. Uh, Anna, what, what about you? What, what, uh, those same questions. What's your background? How'd you find human factors? Uh, what's your current position and uh, what brought you to the healthcare symposium this year? Yeah. So my background, um, Divya and Sophia are both undergrads. I'm a first year PhD student in Dr. Werner's lab. Um, and my undergraduate background is in psychology. Um, and I went to like a very liberal artsy school, so I had no idea that industrial engineering existed. Um, but I found human factors because I was a couple years into doing psych and kind of realized that I didn't want to go the clinical route and I didn't want to do kind of neuroscience stuff like that. I wanted something a little more applied. And so um, I ended up doing an internship with the health systems engineering team at Mayo Clinic. Um, and they're all awesome. There are a lot of like Badger alumni there. So they kind of um, got me connected to Human Factors and the Madison program. Um, and then I ended up at Madison. So yeah, it's my first year of the PhD um, and working in the lab with Sophia and Divya is kind of like how we all got to know each other and formed the team and stuff for the competition. Great. Anything else bringing you to the healthcare symposium this year or just the competition? Yeah, just a competition. And I didn't even get to go because I like I couldn't make the presentation. So it's like I didn't even get to go. But I've been to the I went to the one in twenty eighteen, um, in Boston. It was like the first time I ever presented a poster, I think, was at the healthcare symposium. So special place in my heart. Great. Well, I have a I have a confession too. I was actually unable to make the design competition uh, Zoom call as well. So we'll get into that in a minute. But we also have Thivia on the line. Would you mind uh, telling our listeners what your background is, how you found human factors, what your current position or role is, and uh, what brought you to the symposium this year? Sure. Uh, hi, everyone. My name is Thivia. Um, first question is background. So I am. Uh, a senior at UW-Madison. Um, I'm originally from Chennai in India, but I only lived in India till I was six and I've kind of 
moved around, you know, to Malaysia, the UAE. So I lived in Dubai for the last 10 years and then came to school at Madison to study industrial engineering and I'm doing a Six Sigma certificate. So that's been fun. Um, a little bit about you know, why I was interested in human factors engineering is I joined the Werner lab about two years ago, which is in the industrial engineering department uh, headed by Dr. Nicole Werner. Um, and they focus on human factors applications in healthcare. Um, and, you know, industrial engineering as a major is really diverse. You know, you have so many different applications, data analytics, manufacturing, healthcare, supply chain, you know, the list goes on. Um, and I was really excited to see how I could have like a tangible impact on human life. Uh, you know, there's a sense of like empathy and kindness that comes with being in a human factors research role that I think I really developed over the last two years. Um, and I can definitely see how I'm viewing th things through a different lens. Uh, so it's been it's been it's been a wonderful two years um, in research and. Um, I think the third question, can you repeat the third question to me? Third third was your current position. Sure. So I'm a five-time student uh, at UW-Madison, just finishing up school, and I'm also a part-time employee at SBX Flow. Um, I'm going to be joining them full-time in June, uh, but they primarily uh, manufacture uh, industrial process equipment in the food and beverage uh, industry. That's the, the main sector, uh, but they have applications in other industries as well. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my current, I guess, role. Uh, <laughs> and, um, the fourth question, I know there was a fourth question. Yeah. Anything um, else bringing you to the, to the healthcare symposium this year? Well, Sophia and I actually, uh, met as, you know, I think it was, uh, sophomores, uh, through tutoring it was, and we became great friends and we worked on some research, uh, posters in the past. And then now it's just, Hey, this would be really fun to do. And then I got to meet Anna through this, which was awesome. Uh, so yeah, all of us met at the, uh, at the lab and, you know, in, in the industrial engineering department. So that's kind of what brought me to the, to the design competition. I thought it would be exciting to apply it in a different, I guess, different area. Yeah. So let's talk about the design competition. Sophia, I want to ask you, just give us a little bit more background about the design competition. What is it? Um, you know, kind of what is, what was the, what is the design competition? Let's start there. Yeah. So the objective of the design competition, I think was for human factors to really engineers to really brainstorm, um, how we could create technology and design specifically apps um, for consumer for consumers. So this is for non-healthcare professionals. We're focusing on everyday folks who could benefit from the use of technology, focusing on their personal health. And for the design competition, we each got to focus on a particular facet of health. Our team um, decided to focus on determinants of health um, that we that were established by the National Institute of Health focusing on individual behavior and social circumstances. So individual behavior being um, self-efficacy, how people are able to support themselves, and also social circumstances, how people are able to improve their interactions with others. And so that brought us to thinking about supporting working mothers during the pandemic. Okay, so so I I'm, yeah. I'm guess my question here is, is the problem space of the design competition kind of fairly broad or is it narrow with mothers during the pandemic? Like, was that the prompt for this year? Or was that something you guys um, came up with? 
that was a prompt we came up with. Um, okay. So we got to decide which specific group we wanted to focus on. And actually, Divya um, really came up with the inspiration for focusing on working mothers, if you want to speak to that, Divya. Oh, sure. So I think it was, um, I think it was November, October, right, when we really started talking about this competition. Uh, you know, there was an influx of posts on LinkedIn about working mothers and, you know, the burnout they're, they're experiencing due to the pandemic. And I was also watching that kind of unfold with a lot of, uh, well, like, mothers in my own family, right, my extended family relatives and so on. And I was actually living with family at the time in Minnesota. Um, she was a stay-at-home mom, uh, the person that I'm referring to. But, you know, I kind of I kind of saw how how care work just isn't given enough credit or importance or validation. And I just felt like we needed to address that. Right. And just LinkedIn kind of just reinforced that that there's a problem at hand and we need to do something about solving it. So that was kind of the inspiration behind it, just helping mothers cope with managing so many different aspects of their life. There's their health, their kids, their you know partner. Um, and then the goal in the future is to also make this app more accessible, not only to mothers, but the, the stay-at-home parent, the person performing care work in the family. Uh, that's the larger goal. But at the time we were trying to narrow the scope because you know the, the way society is structured right now, a lot of the time, the woman is the one or the mother in the family is the one taking up the obligation of care work but you know we're extremely progressive a bunch of people so we wanted to, to you know we want to in the future roll it out and hopefully you know people people are going to you know other gender identities are going to take up that role in the future that's the hope um so yeah the burden doesn't fall fall on one you know section of society yeah, yeah so let's and go, our, go ahead sorry. sorry yeah i was gonna say that our um the lab the Werner lab the that we're all in is really um, focused on caregiving um, and patient work. And so that was kind of a space that we were all coming from is these projects that um, we've been developing and working on around how to support caregivers and um, people who do care work outside of institutions like hospitals. Um, and they're often under-resourced and under-supported. And so I think that was also kind of what brought us together uh, as a team initially was that we knew we had that shared interest in reaching out to caregiving um, populations. And then the fact that it was women and working mothers um, was also like not a surprise. It was like definitely uh, an area of interest for all of us, I think. Yeah, so let's talk briefly about the solution. So the problem obviously is is working mothers, care caregivers, um, those demographics. Now, how how um, what is the solution to that? Right, like what have you come up with for uh, this design competition? Sophia, we'll go back to you. <laughs> I was messing with the mute button. <laughs> the, uh, the emblem of 2021. Um, so I guess I kind of want to take a step back and talk a little bit about how we got to this solution so that it oh, yeah. sort of makes sense how we uh, came up with our final app. But we followed something called, called the double diamond framework, um, which is a four step process. The first being discovery, define, and then we move into development and deliver. Um, we started really broadly in the discovery phase, um, speaking to a very uh, wide range of mothers, some with uh, very young infants, some with older children, and we had learned through that research that um, 
some of the struggles that mothers were facing was with um, perfectionism. So a lot of times feeling frustrated that they can't get to all their tasks throughout the day. There was um, frustration with consolidation of technology and apps. Also with dividing uh, work amongst family members. I had a great quote during one of our interviews uh, where a mother said that running a family should be like running a business, <laughs> especially during the pandemic. Um, so from that process, we had determined that we wanted to focus on the aspects of health that we could uh, support mothers in. So our app, um, when you open the interface, the first thing you see is a task allocation page um, where you can see your schedule for the day and there's also the ability to allocate tasks to other members of the family um, and i don't know if you want to speak more to that attribute because um, i know it's something you spent a lot of time working on <laughs> yeah so we had uh, a few different themes kind of emerged like from the discovery process um, with our interviews and affinity diagramming and stuff so the three themes that we tried to tackle with the app were um, task management, community, and then access to professional resources. Um, and I can speak like briefly about the task management. So the idea was kind of a space where um, working mothers or parents could see at a glance um, their tasks, what they had to do for the day alongside um, the rest of the family. And so that you have a sense of keeping up to date of what everyone is doing. And then also when you add a new task, you have the option to either add it to your list, add it to someone else's list, or there's an option to kind of auto assign. So you'll put in um, two members of the app and then click auto assign and the app will auto assign the task to someone who has room in their calendar um, or has fewer tasks on their schedule for the day. So the idea is to kind of not um, automatically assume that certain tasks, you know, domestic chores or um, mealtime tasks would be performed by the mother. Um, you know, when you're auto assigning, uh, you can hopefully, the hope is to take into account actual workload as opposed to um, subconscious roles. Um, and so the idea is to kind of validate all of those tasks that women have on their plate as actual work that could be performed by any member of the family. Um, and so that's kind of where the task assignment function comes in. Yeah. Can I ask a little bit more uh, follow up on some of the task management piece, right? Because there's a lot of tasks that parents, mothers have to go through on a day-to-day -day basis. A lot of them are repeat tasks, something like cleaning up the living room when your toddler throws their Legos all over the place. Um, so is, I guess, is there a way in the app to set up some of those repeat, like every night you got to make dinner, every night you got to clean up the living room or something like that. Um, and then what does that look like um, from, from, from the perspective of the app? Like what happens? So I guess there's two questions here. One, is there repeat app or repeat tasks? And then two, what happens? I, I know the purpose is to kind of validate all the tasks that a mother has to do and most of the time is on autopilot. What does that look like when you have sort of that information overload of all these different tasks that you have to do around the house? Yeah, that's great. So the first question you can set, um, you're able to set a due date and you can set it repeating. So um, you can set it to repeat as often as you want it to. Um, 
Yeah, and the second question is really good. If one of the things that we tried to be really intentional about with this app was not treating task management as another chore. So we tried to really reduce the number of steps that the user has to go through in the interface um, to add a new task and to be able to see everyone's tasks. Um, and one of the ways that we tried to address that was integration with Google Calendar and other external calendars, um, as well as like Fitbit and Apple Watch. And so the idea is to kind of bring in other management technologies that the user might already be using to keep track of these things so that they don't have information um, in all these different places, because I think we all kind of know how that contributes to like mental overload. Um, and so our hope was that the way that people would use the app would be as a way to keep all of that in one place. Um, and then an additional feature was the addition of, um, what did we call it? I don't even remember, like accomplishments tab, but like- I was just yeah, gonna talk yeah. about that, yeah. Achievements, that's... accomplishments, I don't even remember what <laughs> yeah. we called it. It just has a little star in the app. Um, yeah. I, like, I remember just the star page, but, um, but when you cross something off the task list or you say what to do, it shuffles over to another tab where you can go then see your accomplishments um, for the day, week, and month. We really wanted like, give mothers a space to actually take in, like look at how much you are doing and how much you are accomplishing. Um, because sometimes in the day-to-day, -day, you know, it kind of gets lost. And so we wanted to provide um, a space, not only for them to organize, but also to like validate, um, yeah. respect the work that they yeah. are doing. Yeah. Um, I'd also like to add to that. I know there was another part to that. I don't know if this falls exactly under tasks, but we had a start of the day and end of the day feature in our app that, so the start of the day feature would uh, would let you allot, you know, time for self-care. So whatever that may look like, meditation or maybe going out for a run. Um, and at the end of the day would have a list, you know, a list of uh, tasks that you either need to complete or um, you, you can swipe to say that you did complete. It's like a reminder. It's, it serves as a reminder at the end of the day to say that, okay, uh, these are the tasks that you had to do. You know, did you finish them? Uh, serves as a reminder. So that kind of keeps them in the loop. Um, and the, the, the point of integrating Fitbit and Apple and a smartwatch feature is to show that, you know, if they, if they make time for exercise, you know, those metrics are being tracked on the same platform and they can kind of access it all in the same, same place. So it was also, while they're doing their tasks, also thinking about health metrics. Are they taking care of themselves while doing all of this care work or are they just taking care of people around them? Because with mothers, a lot of the time they're very giving and affectionate and sometimes they, they lose track of, you know, okay, I need, to, I need to sleep and I need to eat and, you know, I need to take care of myself. So that, that, was, that was a huge driver for us. And, oh, sorry. Yeah, just no, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> just to tie that all back like full circle um in the beginning i talked about those attributes of health focused on self-efficacy and on social interaction um i think anna and divya really beautifully laid out um how it brings it back to those core values of we're promoting self-efficacy through accomplishments and validation of work and also improving social interactions by optimizing um, how mothers are able to allocate work um, in their families. Yeah, so I wanna dig into a little bit more about this app. You, you mentioned the kind of three, uh, I don't know if you wanna call them pillars or areas. There was um, the task management, there was the resources, and I'm forgetting the third one. Community. What was that one? 
community. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to talk about maybe like community next and, and kind of how um, that played a role in the app design? Yeah. So um, I was inspired actually by um, mural boards I had seen and <laughs> worked on throughout the semester. Um, our community tab, what it does is it posts a daily um, message such as, you know, what are you looking forward to, to the, for the weekend? And mothers who are using mothership within their area can post post-it notes uh, with comments and mothers can post on each other's, uh, comment on each other's post-its um, and can interact with one another just to reduce um, any loneliness or isolation that mothers might be facing on a daily basis. This was something that came up in our interviews. So again, promoting a sense of community amongst mothers. It also provides opportunity for mothers to connect with one another. Their uh, Twitter, Twitter handles are available on their profiles if they choose to have that information. We also have an option for anonymity. I think I tripped on that word during our presentation. <laughs> um, just to give mothers that flexibility of, you know, maybe they want the interaction, but they don't want the social media aspects, just really thinking about uh, preferences that our users might have. Yeah, yeah. And just to add to that, I know that, so we did a little bit of research on that, you know, the the, the society uh, aspect of it and, you know, people's interactions with their family, friends, coworkers has a direct impact on their well-being and the whole goal was with the community tab was to create this, you know, safe, positive space in which mothers can interact, uh, you know, just to just to serve as like a happiness booster and feel like they're not alone uh, in whatever they're doing. And the prompts would kind of help get that conversation going. Yeah, that all seems like that community aspect really seems critical, especially during times like these where social interaction is very limited. Um, and then, of course, the last one you mentioned was access to some of these professional resources. What does that look like? Yeah, so I, I guess I can take that one. Um, so our resources tab has um, three sort of mini tabs within it. There is a page um, for like articles, um, which is just kind of a news feed of articles that are aggregated. Um, and some of them are targeted to mothers about motherhood. Um, but there's also an option for you to choose your interests and the articles that come to you will be based on those interests. And what we really wanted to do with that was um, provide a space for moms to be to access uh, information and articles outside of their role as a mother. You know, they can they have interests related to um, productivity or um, yoga. I think is one of them. I'm trying to think like outdoors, like hiking, things like that. So like encouraging them like you know this is a motherhood focused app and a lot of the tasks are related to motherhood um there's so much more that um of their identity that we want to affirm and then the other page is professional resources so um access to mental health helplines um and counselors in their area um just suggested resources you know encouraging them that community is great um, and self-care breaks are great but um, accessing mental health resources is so important during this time too and um, destigmatizing that as well just making it a common feature of that 
and this was, uh, I think one of the best parts of our app was this is actually an instance where we got to integrate user feedback into our design. So we did usability testing um, at the end of the design and one of the mothers mentioned, or two of them I think, um, that they loved the resources but they wanted an ability to search and actually save them so they could refer to them at a later time if they wanted to schedule like a, a family trip or something. Um, so we were able to integrate that into our design immediately which is, you know, great to see that. Yeah. So uh, at this point, I want to be respectful of everyone's time. Uh, so at this point, I just want to open it up one last time. Anything else that you want any of our listeners to know about this app? And I, we kind of talked about the three main areas. I want to make sure that if there's anything we forgot, we have a chance to address it. I think uh, just one thing I'd, I'd like to add about our problem statement is um, there's a lot of research right now indicating that um, the lines between work and family is going to be blurred beyond the pandemic. So after all of us are vaccinated, we're going to find ourselves in these virtual work environments. So we think our app, while it was inspired in supporting mothers during the pandemic, the impact will really um, move along with those changes in work balance that we're going to see in the future. Yeah, agree. All right. Well, um, that's going to be it for today, everyone. Uh, thank you to our group, uh, Team Mothership, for uh, coming on the show and talking about winning the Digital Health Student Design Competition from the, the Human Factors Healthcare Symposium uh, 2021. I'm going to go around the room here. Vivia, where can our listeners go and find you if they want to find out more about your research? Sure, I would say primarily on LinkedIn, uh, but I will, little disclaimer, I am going to be working in the manufacturing sector moving forward, but I, I know for sure that if, if I come back into academia, human factors is going to be something that I'd love to, uh, you know, field I'd love to work in, especially, you know, when it comes to integrating that into manufacturing environments, right? We already know they exist with those error proofing systems, uh, but yeah, definitely, you know, still on my radar. Uh, We'll, 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 we'll see how that goes. <laughs> um, but I'll try to use, you know, I'm, my goal is to, to view things through a human factors lens when I'm working in manufacturing environments because that is so important. Um, so, yeah, I hope to do that, you know, hope to apply it uh, moving forward. Excellent. Anna, where can our listeners go and find you if they want to keep up with your research? Yeah, same as Divya. I think LinkedIn is the best place. Um, yeah, and I'll be doing... Uh, human factors in healthcare at Madison for who knows how long, <laughs> however long the PhD lasts. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe even in person someday. So that's where I'll be. They can come find you in the labs over there. All right. And Sophia, where can our listeners go and find you if they want to keep up with your research? Yeah. So um, my website is sophianojevic.com. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn. And I will be hopefully uh, applying human factors to the technology space. So if anyone wants to ever chat with me about that, let me know. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all for being on the show. At the end of the show, we like to say it depends. Uh, that's how we kind of sign off because in human factors, that's a pretty common answer and everything depends on something. So I'm going to count us down from three on zero. We will say it depends. Ready? Three, two, one, zero. It depends. <laughs> human Factors Cast brings you the best in Human Factors news, interviews, conference coverage, and overall fun conversations into each and every episode we produce. 
but we can't do it without you. The Human Factors Cast Network is 100% listener supported. All the funds that go into running the show come from our listeners. Our patrons are our priority, and we want to ensure we're giving back to you for supporting us. Pledges start at just $1 per month and include rewards like access to our weekly Q&As with the hosts, personalized professional reviews, and Human Factors Minute, a Patreon-only weekly podcast where the hosts break down unique, obscure, and interesting Human Factors topics in just one minute. Patreon rewards are always evolving, so stop by patreon.com slash humanfactorscast to see what support level may be right for you. Thank you, and remember, it depends. Spacecraft, railway locomotives, nuclear submarines, healthcare, jet aircraft, these are all examples of highly technical systems and organisations, and all have one particular thing in common. They all involve humans. Humans who want to do amazing things and are using technology to achieve them. They all have something else in common. They have amazing people ensuring that the users who are involved can do what they need to do, are safe when they do so, and have the optimum user experience. These people are Human Factors practitioners, and on 1202, the Human Factors podcast, they talk to me, Barry Kirby, about what they do, sharing their career paths, highlighting their ideas and best practices, and fundamentally raising awareness of our discipline. Find us on 1202podcast.com, on social media, and on your favourite podcast directory, because it's more than just common sense.